Have you ever noticed that some people never stop talking? You know, conversations, uh, conversations that you have with them are mostly one-sided. They can't help themselves. Um, it's just the way they're made. It's the way they operate. They don't care if people call them a chatterbox or motormouth or a lot worse names than that. They can't stop talking even though people complain about their incessant chatter and tell them, just shut up, would you? <laughs> it's just not in their nature to be quiet. Maybe, maybe they really can't stand the silence. You know, silence is like to them the enemy. So we've got to keep something going all the time. Even when they have nothing to say, they still say something. Have you noticed that? Compulsive talking is sometimes associated by psychologists with someone who has ADHD, attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Not always, but sometimes. And this diagnosis may actually give the compulsive talker a bit of an excuse for his or her behavior, but it doesn't make life any easier for the people that live with them, does it? It doesn't make it any easier for the people who have to listen to their long stories and their boring diatribes. Good conversations include both talking and listening. Good conversations are a give-and-take proposition. And in a good conversation, both parties have an opportunity to share their thoughts and feelings. This so rarely happens today that some of the best conversationalists are actually greater listeners than they are talkers. We have much to learn about good conversations, don't we? But this morning, we want to focus on just one part of good conversations. We want to focus on spiritual conversations, conversations that count for eternity. God wants us to have good conversations with people who don't know him yet. And we have already learned to begin a relationship with people like this, people that are lost, people that are in the darkness, people that are hopeless, hurting, with some act of kindness or compassion or maybe just showing general, general, genuine interest in them and, and, and wanting to be part of their lives, to understand their lives. But our witness must eventually use words. Our witness must eventually use our speech. And so God calls us all to engage in spiritual conversations of one type or another so that people who are far from God can learn about Him and hopefully experience salvation through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, on one hand, I think it would be nice if someone would just come up to us, if they're lost and they need Jesus Christ, if they would just come up to us and say, tell me about Jesus. I really want to be saved. I really want to know all about him. But has that ever happened to any of us in our lives? Sometimes somebody does ask a question. Why do you live the way you live? How do you face what you're facing the way you face it? How do you carry on in the way that you do? How do you have joy when what is going on in your life is going on in your life? Most of the time, we have to be the ones to initiate a conversation, to initiate God's love, to initiate the spiritual conversation that God calls us to engage in. Now, spiritual conversations, however, should not be forced. They don't have to be uncomfortable. 
In fact, it's best if they're not. The chats that we have with non-believers can be and should be just a natural part of life, natural part of our interaction in their lives. And God wants our faith to flow freely from our daily interactions with other people in in, in organic ways, just to, to be a part of the way we talk, the way that we live our lives. And if our faith is real, then it will be part of our ordinary, ordinary conversations. They are not memorized speeches. They are not you know, some script that you learned along the way, and, and you press a button, hit the play button, you know, and out comes this spiel. But real interaction, real conversations about real life, Organic outreach should be natural and simple and plain spoken. And thankfully, we don't have to give the nonbelievers the whole load at one time. It comes out piece by piece, bit by bit, day by day, week by week, sometimes year by year. In Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34, we read about something that happened during Jesus' earthly ministry. Jesus was being confronted and questioned and criticized by the Jewish Pharisees. And then Mark says, in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Notice that Jesus had given them a good answer. Uh, He asked him, he said, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important Then all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. This man understood something that we all must understand. He understood that much in life can be reduced to simple things, to simple measures, to simple understandings. If we understand first that the most important thing we can do in life is to love God with everything that we are, with everything that we have. And then secondly, that we must love other people as much as we love ourselves. We will live the life that God wants us to live. If we can just get back to simple basics of loving God and loving people, we too will not be far from the kingdom of God. We will be pleasing God in the way we live. And so we need to ask ourselves today, do we truly love God first and foremost? You know, is he first in our lives? Is he the only God of our lives? Sometimes I feel like I'm idolatrous, don't you? Sometimes I feel like there are other gods. There are other things that are getting in the way of what God wants me to do. Sometimes it's my own pleasure. Sometimes it's my own plans. Sometimes it's, it's somebody else. You know, I'm trying to please them. But what must be first and foremost always in my life is God. To love other people is what God wants us to do. And we reflect our love for God by loving them, even sinners and non-believers, as much as we love ourselves. 
these spiritual conversations then ought to be part of our normal life if we're living for God and loving God and loving people. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were called before the Jewish council because they had been speaking about Jesus when they had been commanded not to. The Jewish leaders reiterated a command that they had broadcasted across Jerusalem that no one was supposed to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. But Peter and John replied in Acts chapter 4, verse 19. He said, judge for yourselves. You be the judges, whether we should listen to you or listen to God. But as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I admire them so much for, for this conviction when they're before the authorities and they're being threatened with their, even their lives, that they said, you know, we, we can't obey you rather than God. We cannot help but tell you people what we have seen and heard in Christ. You know, we're willing to talk about a lot of things in our lives, just a variety of subjects, without any prompting. You know, if we're just in conversation with someone, we're very happy to talk about our sports team or maybe our hairdresser or maybe our favorite places to shop or maybe the movies that we've just been to. We're quite happy to talk about hundreds of different topics that have no eternal consequences. So why are we so unwilling to talk about spiritual matters? Why is that? Well, in my experience, one of the reasons is fear. You know, we fear you know, how somebody will react. We fear the repercussions of bringing the subject up. Oh, no, here they go again. And the conversation is cut short. The friendship is cut short. Sometimes it's ignorance. I'm afraid that if we get into this conversation, I won't know everything I wished I knew, and I'm going to look foolish. Often because we don't do it because we haven't even tried to do it. And so all these imaginations, all these guesses of what might happen play into our minds and our guesses unnerve us. And so we never start, we never initiate, we never even say the first word of, of an introduction into a conversation that may have an eternal consequence. You know what might surprise most of us? Is that many of the people, if not most of the people in this world, are more open to spiritual conversations than we think we are, than they are, that, that we might imagine them to be. In every case, we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit like we talked about last week. And he will prompt us when to speak and how to speak if we are sensitive and tuned to his leading. Kevin Harney writes about a time when he got on a flight flying over to Europe and uh, he happened to be seated next to this young lady who is from Germany. And uh, he was kind of looking forward to just relaxing, you know, maybe sleeping for a few hours because he was exhausted from the schedule he'd been keeping. And, and yet she wanted to immediately get into conversation once they left the ground. And she, she had uh, admitted very quickly that she was a communist, that she was an atheist. And uh, she didn't know anything about him, but she wanted to know that her mission in life was to, to educate these young people in Germany to not be duped, to not be fooled by Christians who she had met. And, and so she had made it her, her thing, her plan, her aim in life, that she was going to make sure these young people would not be fooled by Christians. And he just encouraged her to tell about her life. He kept asking questions. He kept probing. And for the next hour, he just asked her to tell about herself. Well, when she got done, pretty much had spent all that she wanted to say, she said, well, what about you? <laughs> and he had to say, well, actually, I'm one of those Christians. And actually, 
My life's goal is to promote Christianity. My life's goal is to teach young people and older people that the only place that they can find salvation is in Jesus Christ. And because he had spent so long talking with her and hearing her story, she gave him respect. She gave him deference. She listened to him. And for the next hour or so, they had a very lively and good conversation back and forth. They knew that they were diametrically opposed, that their goals in life were polar opposites. And yet, because he had treated her with respect and kindness, she responded in the same way and was very open to listen to what he had to say. Now, he doesn't know how many seeds he planted. He doesn't know anything that happened to her after they left those flights and went back to their separate places. But he hopes that there was some change of heart that would come someday. It was not his business to know what would happen. That's God's business. And through that experience, Harney learned that almost anyone is open to entering into a spiritual conversation if we will speak with them with gentleness and respect. So what are these spiritual conversations? Well, first of all, I want you to understand that it doesn't have to be a full presentation of the gospel for it to be a spiritual conversation. It doesn't have to be your testimony of how you came to faith in Christ and how you surrendered your life to Jesus. It may include that sometime, but a spiritual conversation can be so many more things. It can be a whole range of conversations that we can have with someone who are, which is spiritual in content. Here are some examples. Maybe you're out somewhere and you see the beauty of creation. Maybe this time of year when spring is happening and you start talking about that and say, isn't it wonderful, you know, that God has designed this world so it, it renews itself every spring. And look at the beauty we can enjoy. Or maybe you just give thanks for, to God for something that's going on in your family right then. Or maybe you praise him for some blessing that he's brought into your life. Or maybe you just talk about how God is working in some situation, in some, some dynamic, some struggle, maybe some problem. And God has given praise just through a simple thing. You're not expecting a conclusion. You're not expecting you know, the final thing of you know, sharing the whole gospel and Jesus with them. You're just lifting up God in their life. We just need to learn when it's appropriate to share, and how. And the Holy Spirit will guide us. I'm going to encourage you to never give an unloaded, uh, memorized script on somebody. and Just say, well, you know, I've got this ready. I'm going to dump it on you right now, because that never goes off well. Just be open to the conversation. Be open to their heart. And however the Spirit may prompt you to start, and then go slowly. Don't rush it to, to a conclusion. And I want to ask you this morning, who is it that God has been putting on your heart? I know a lot of you have identified through uh, previous weeks someone, someone who, whom God has laid on your heart. You even have them by name. You have perhaps them in a, on an index card in your Bible or even written in the margin somewhere. And, and you have been praying for them every day or every week that God would somehow use you to help them. Are they a close relative? Are they a spouse or maybe your sister, your brother, or a cousin? Are they a best friend? Are they a coworker? Are they a neighbor? Are they a new friend that you have made recently? What I want to encourage you this morning is to try to identify where that person is right now in their spiritual journey. Because until you do that, it would be kind of difficult to know what you can do, what God can lead you to do with them. Uh, and to have that spiritual conversation next. You know, what, what's the next thing we need to talk about? 
people are different stages, different phases, different understandings. So take some time to figure out where someone is. And I want to show you a chart this morning. It's one of many that you could look at, but it's just kind of a picture of a person moving through uh, from, from the fact that they don't know God, they don't know anything about God, they're very far from God, to eventually becoming a Christian and what it means to keep growing in Christ. So would you show, me, show the next slide there, Jim, please? This one was written up by James Engel. Uh, and you can see, starting down at the bottom, there's no awareness of God. There's uh, then some awareness of God. There's no contact with Christian, but then at some point there becomes a contact with Christian. That may be you or me. And, and it develops some kind of interest in God or interest even in Jesus. And, and maybe on their own begin investigating Jesus or asking questions about Jesus. And eventually they're grasping truths about, Greece, uh, about Jesus. And then they're understanding the implications of some of these things that they're learning and, and how it may affect their lives. And eventually, hopefully, there will be a decision that they accept this truth and they accept the implications of becoming a Christian and they start weighing this big decision. Am I going to give my life to Christ? Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to surrender what I want to what he wants? It's a huge decision. And so there's a special line there, number 10, of that decision to send, surrender to Christ. And then they gain confidence in that decision. I, this was the right thing. I, I understand. I, I've been waiting on this. I've been putting this off, but I've done the perfect thing now. And I'm going to move forward with this. And they experience a life change because the, 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 the desire is still there and the Holy Spirit works in their lives. And they begin learning some of the basics. And then they learn the disciplines of staying strong in their faith with Christ. And they even begin sharing their faith with others. And they continue growing in Christ. Now, you could describe these a lot of different ways. You could use different words. I've seen a lot of different charts like this. And the point of the chart is not to peg, peg hole somebody, or to label them and say, well, you're a number eight right now. You know, I want to move you up to the next one. You don't even identify for them. It's for you to understand, here's where my friend is. This is where my one is. And, and you know, they've got this far but the next thing or the, the things that I need to be working on are these, the things that God wants to work in their lives, the God that wants to teach them in their lives. And therefore, our understanding so that we can know how to help them make their next step in their relationship with Christ. And we need to think. So would you take that person's name that's in your heart, in your mind, maybe on your Bible margin? For me, it's a guy named Bill. And I've looked at this and I've thought, where is he right now? He's, he's gone through a bunch of these things. He's even accepting some of the Christian truth, but he's, he's not really thought about the implications yet, what it means to follow Jesus. And this is going to be a, a big step for him. So the conversations continue with him of, of how he can start getting his mind and heart wrapped around these things. And I hope that you will be looking at all these in the same way and that you will see the benefits of, of kind of uh, figuring out where your friend is. Now, I want to share with you today, since we're talking about conversations, spiritual conversations, some surprisingly effective conversation starters that you may never have dreamed of. And in fact, the first two are very good because they help us deal with our fears and, and with our insecurities about sharing these conversations with people. Satan uses our fears and insecurities to keep us quiet. So let me show you that you don't even have to worry about them. 
that you can even open up to them and trust that God will use these as a way to talk with people about God. The first thing that is a surprisingly effective conversation starter is to share your pain and your brokenness. Instead of hiding your pain and your brokenness, be real about it. Be vulnerable. Stop pretending that you're something that you're not. Here's some good news. We don't have to have it all together. Aren't you glad? Because nobody in this room does. There's not a person in this room, as much as we might respect them and admire where they've achieved, what they've gone to in their lives, there's no one in this room that has it all together. All of us have brokenness still in our lives, something that God is working on. And so let's admit that and let's use that to help people draw near to God. There's a Christian woman that was named Karen, uh, was concerned about her manicurist named Cindy. Cindy, she had known for a long time, but she knew that Cindy didn't know Jesus. They become very close. She was really concerned about Cindy's soul. She wanted to tell her about Jesus, but she was always worried about maintaining her image as a believer who had it all together. I mean, that was the image that she had projected every time that she was around her. She was a busy person. She had a lot happening. Her family was good. Her business was good. Everything was going great. And she, she had had this image that she had created, a false image, but it was still the image. But she knew beneath the surface that things were not so good. In fact, there was a current situation that her daughter, her grown daughter, had gotten very, very ill. She was very worried about her future, worried she was going to even survive this illness. And it was crushing her. It was, you know, just breaking her up inside. But when she would go to get her nails done, she still acted like everything was fine. Until one day, Cindy just casually asked, how are you doing? And the floodgates opened up. Just Karen broke down right there. And uh, she started telling her about how worried she was, how things were, were going to turn out for her daughter. And, and Cindy was supportive and understanding. And it ended up that she opened up to some things in her life as well, her own vulnerabilities, her own brokenness. And it created a new dimension to their relationship because Karen finally admitted that she wasn't perfect and that she didn't have it all together. And on that occasion, when she found herself talking openly about Jesus and her need for him and the difference that he was making in her life, it also opened up Cindy's heart to discussions at that level. Now, we don't have to have it all together in order to have conversations with people about the Lord. Sometimes admitting we don't have it all together is the best thing you could do. A second thing we could do is to share our uncertainty and our questions. Now, this may seem counterproductive, but it is not. We may think this is counterintuitive. Why would we want to share our doubts? Why would we want to share our questions even about the Bible with somebody who we're trying to get to believe in God and in these things? We may think that sharing our ignorance is a bad thing to do and say, this isn't going to work. But here's some good news. You don't have to be someone who has all the answers to be able to share a conversation like this with someone to be a good witness in their life. We don't have to be Bible scholars or impressive theologians to know that Jesus is the answer and be able to give Jesus to someone else. Good biblical example of sharing our uncertainty is found in a blind man mentioned in John chapter 9 who was healed by Jesus. We don't have time to read that whole story, so let me just kind of give you a synopsis of what happened. John tells us that one day Jesus came across this blind man, had been blind from birth, and he heals him. 
he spits on the ground, he takes up this mud made with his saliva, and he pastes it on the guy's eyelids. And he tells him, go down to this pool that was down near the temple and wash it off. So the man goes, he stumbles his way down there, and he washes it off. And when he comes back, Jesus is gone. Jesus has gone off into the crowd somewhere else. Now, he knew it was Jesus, but he didn't know very much about Jesus. Well, the day that it was happened, that the healing occurred, was on the Sabbath. And the Jewish authorities were, were furious. You know, you don't heal on the Sabbath. That's working on the Sabbath. And so they start questioning the man about it. You know, who was it and it was Jesus that healed me? Well, why did he do that? And they start questioning his parents, you know. And, and they had put out the word that if anybody started following Jesus, then they would be put out of the synagogue, which was like their church then. And so nobody wanted to be put out of the synagogue. And his parents, when they were questioned, you know, was your son? Is this your son? Was he blind? And then all these questions, they said, well, you ask him. He's old enough. So they just kind of threw him under the bus. So they went to the man again, and they asked him again, you know, was, who was it? Was it Jesus? And yes, and, and, and uh, we don't understand because this man is a sinner. Give glory to God, not to Jesus, because this man is a sinner. And the man's answer is so great. He says, you know, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. That, that's not my business to know. But this one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. That's what happened to me. And he stands toe-to-toe with the authorities of his day who are threatening him with all kinds of things. And he said, I don't care about that. I'll tell you what I know. I'll tell you that Jesus healed me. Jesus gave me sight. And I love so much his courage, his conviction, and his desire that the truth would be known, no matter the repercussions or the consequences of that. What an inspiration that is to us in our uncertainty and in our doubts and our questions maybe about some passage of Scripture or maybe we don't have a complete understanding of different things. What we do know, that we will say to this generation that is floundering and without truth. It's okay to admit that we don't have everything figured out. We just trust God with our lives and our future. And we affirm that we believe every word of the Bible, even though we may not understand every word of the Bible. We believe that it is God's word and that it is authority that we can build our lives on. And we will say that with clarity and with conviction into the lives of people around us. So when you have a spiritual conversation with someone, don't try to pretend that you have all the answers. Don't try to pretend that you've got it all figured out. Admit your ignorance and tell the person that you will learn more, and then you'll get back to them if they have a question that you can't answer. And then make sure you do. And continue to help them learning the truth, even as we are continuing to learn the truth. So we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have all the answers. We can just be ourselves. Doesn't that take a lot of the pressure off? Doesn't take a lot of that stress that, that maybe caused fear or insecurity? We can just be honest, and we can be open. Well, let me tell you other two other things, two other suggestions for starting good spiritual conversations. First of all, learn to ask open-ended questions. Have a short list of good questions ready to ask. You might want to write them in your Bible, you know, in a, in a, somewhere in the back. Uh, keep it on a note card and re- review it every once in a while. So when an opportunity comes, you've got a question that you can just throw out there. Say, you know, I've been wondering something. Here are some examples of some questions you could ask of people. What are some of the greatest joys you are experiencing at this stage in your life? Now, man, that's not even, doesn't sound like a spiritual thing. 
but it can lead to a spiritual conversation, you see. Or maybe you can ask, what challenges or struggles are you facing right now? You know, you know what's going on? Um, you know, is there anything I can help with? Anything that I can pray for? Um, and you know, open up that, that whole possibility. And then other times you can ask, you know, how were you raised when it comes to faith in God? You know, what's been your background? Uh, what did your parents believe? What did they do? Uh, you know, what kind of uh, family did you have? You know, what, what did you do about church or about the Bible or about God? And what do you believe about God anyhow? You know, where are you on that? And what do you think about Christians? You know, these are all just simple things that can be woven into a conversation uh, so that that conversation can be elevated to a new place, a new level. You can come up with a short list of your own. It just, just make sure that the question is kind of open-ended. Don't let it have a one answer, you know, well, yes, that's the end of the conversation. But to, to open it up so that something more comes of that. Create space so that you can talk further. And that when they start answering your questions, don't become defensive. Don't tell them, you know, you're wrong about that. You know, that's not the time for you to bring some kind of criticism or judgment on their life. Just listen. Hear, hear their heart. Let them speak. Kind of like that atheist in the airplane, you know, that had an hour to just tell him everything about her life, not even knowing that she's talking to a Christian. It didn't reveal that till later. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and insight as your conversation continues. So learn to ask open-ended questions. And then finally, capitalize on what Kevin Harney calls truck-sized openings that God provides. You know, something happens, something's going on. Maybe you step into a situation with this person who is far from God, and the situation naturally creates an open door for a spiritual conversation that you never had with them before. When someone asks you a very simple question, which I often do, Monday morning, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Well, maybe you tell them about the movie you saw, or maybe you tell them about the game you went to, or you tell them about the, you know, you went fishing, or you went somewhere else. But did you go to church that weekend? <laughs> was worship part of it? Was there a reason that you did that? What, a, what an opportunity, what a gift that is for you, uh, given to you, that you could say, yeah, I did this and this and this, and on Sunday morning I made sure that I did this because this is important to me. You know, this happened, and I wanted to be part of it. And I learned this, or I experienced something there. And what you did this weekend should include your time at church and in worship. Because that, too, is part of your life. That's a way of showing who you are, what you believe. When you're talking with a friend, and um, for some reason you start sharing the struggle or the hurt that's going on in your life, and, and they open up, then that's a big opening. God is saying, you know, they're giving you a gift right here. They're opening their heart to you in a way they never have before. Make sure you tread carefully here. Make sure that you're understanding and sensitive and gentle and respectful. But don't leave this alone because God has opened up a truck-sized opening right here. The Holy Spirit wants you to step into that opening now and, and, and do something with this. When you're experiencing yourself maybe a time of blessing or joy or celebration and you just want to sincerely thank God, I mean, you know, your child just had this happen. And you're telling everybody, but is God getting praise? Is, you know, is God being lifted up as you tell that story around? When you are viewing 
uh, with a non-believing friend the beauty and grandeur of God's creation. Maybe you went on a trip together. Maybe you just crossed over, you know, uh, Skyline Drive over here, and you're over here looking at, at something that's just gorgeous. And you don't just say, isn't this beautiful? But you thank God for creating that. God is giving you doorways through which you can walk if you're willing. So be aware of those openings that God gives you and be ready to walk through them. So before we quit, I just want to ask you today, what's your biggest takeaway from today's message? Was it getting a tool where you could better understand where your one, your, your person you're talking with is right now in their spiritual journey? Was it uh, an encouraging bit of news that you don't have to be an expert, <laughs> that you don't have to have all the answers be able to have spiritual conversations with lost people. You don't have to know it all. None of us does. So just get out there and, and, and use what you know, what you do know, what you have experienced in Christ, and lift him up in the lives of others. Was it that you can actually use your vulnerability as a tool to help other people open up to theirs? Was it maybe getting a list of conversation starters? In order, in order to have a good spiritual conversation with someone, you don't have to know everything or have everything figured out. All you have to do to provide a witness is to make yourself what? Available. Available. And let the Holy Spirit lead. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can have these conversations with people that are far from you. You have put us in this uh, very exciting position, very exciting place. This could happen anytime, anywhere. Sometimes it's more deliberate and intentional on our part because we have been praying for this person. We have been seeking opportunities, looking for openings and doorways. Sometimes it just happens without warning. And suddenly, there we are talking with that store clerk. There we are meeting somebody on the street. There we are, a child is hurt, and, and we get involved and help and and uh, leads to some kind of conversation we never planned to get into that day. Maybe it was an interruption uh, in the busy schedule that we're trying to get things done, and we just have to stop and say, God, you're doing something here. I want to be part of that. I want to join that. And, and uh, whatever time it takes, I'll be there. I'll do it. Uh, Lord, I pray that our hearts and minds would be open to you, that you would lead us, that you would guide us, uh, that we would have the courage... We would have the faith to walk into those openings you create. And we ask for your blessing again on our wants as they're learning about you and as they're hopefully reaching a point in time where they will make a decision to follow Jesus. Bless us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? Let's sing to the Lord.